Now it's time for Inspirational Women. And my guest, Blanca Villagomez, a university program manager and a consultant for Intelligent.com. Blanca is a strong young woman, a first-generation Latina, one who has the lived experience of navigating the paths to higher education. Blanca has had the benefit of good mentors and knows the value of mentorship and now is in the perfect position of sharing her experience in guiding other young first-generation immigrant women on their paths to their dream vocations. And this is a great time to be thinking of this as college time is right around the corner. Blanca Villa-Gomez, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us once again. Good morning, Kate. Thank you for having me back. Well, I am so grateful to be able to speak with you once again. I just have to share again that I am just so uh, in awe of who you are, what you're doing, your life experience, and how you're using that to help other students, particularly women of color students, uh, in their educational journey. And uh, maybe we should just kind of do a quick recap of, uh, you know, just take an overview of, you know, your having had a mentor when you started in junior high school, right? Mm, Yes, yes, absolutely. I think back to my middle school years, my high school years, and all the impactful um, people that were in my life that significantly shaped my educational planning, the decisions that I made, and really the the work that I do now. Every mentorship that I received informed the decisions that I made about my career because I knew that I wanted to be in a position where I could give back to students just like I had received the support that they gave me. And I think that any person who's successful in any way has a mentor. Here what we have is a very focused, conscious plan of ensuring that there are mentors in place to guide students because as as the world has become more complex, that need for mentorship and guidance, I think, has only increased. Yes, definitely, definitely, especially for women of color, for underrepresented students, and students from historically marginalized backgrounds, the power of mentorship is much, much needed. Like there's a huge power in having reliable mentors and intentional mentorship as well, because I think that's what truly makes the difference. Having individuals that understand and can connect with your life experiences and that are invested in your growth. And that's what I experienced as a student. I I'm a first-generation student for college, the eldest in my family, the oldest of six, coming from a mixed-status family with varying immigration statuses. So it felt very lonely for me to think about the possibility of going to college. But having mentors around me who encouraged me and showed me that it was very much possible despite the barriers, that was very encouraging. So mentorship on its own is a powerful tool to develop students and create a positive and meaningful experience in their college experiences. And you have continued to do that. You've had a role with Intelligent.com to work with students, and they are doing such a great work in our country with students to really engage and to be as up-to-date and have kind of this virtual mentorship, would you say, right? Actually, yes. That's a really good way of framing it, yes. So I am currently an educational consultant for Intelligent. 
and my work centers on college admissions and student development. So Intelligent is an educational website, and it's a great, great website for students who are feeling lost in their educational planning or even their career planning and want to get a little bit more of a guidance on how you go about making decisions that are going to impact your life. So the website is a great tool for anyone interested in learning more about academic well-being and particularly with college rankings. You know how difficult it is to choose a college. And the question that we get asked the most is, what is the best college for me? So Intelligent does a really great job of condensing the top rankings and producing a user-friendly guide, but also providing you with some context on really the best choice is a personal one. And it really comes down to your own goals, your needs, and where you are in life. So it's a really comprehensive website that I would encourage anyone to try out and do a little bit of research on. And that just sounds like such common sense. I love that. That's really good affirmation, I feel. And so Intelligent did a survey recently that I think it would be good for us to discuss. Yes, yeah. So especially, I'm sure all of you have heard, but ChatGPT is everywhere in the news, and especially in the educational context, um, the conversations surrounding artificial intelligence have grown substantially since the uh, release of ChatGPT. So Intelligent.com produced a survey uh, a few months ago, back in April, to really understand how individuals are responding to the growing use of such tools. And they surveyed, we surveyed, close to 1,600 individuals who are either employed or are currently enrolled in college. And we found that 63% have either already enrolled or plan on enrolling in a chat DPT course this year. And that's amazing, right? That's amazing because that means that they're really taking the time to invest in their education and their learning in order to increase their marketability and make themselves more competitive for the job market. And there's other implications that I'm happy to discuss with you as well. Yes, please, by all means. Yeah, so um, a lot of what we found was that really the guiding factor, or sorry, the motivation behind students enrolling was actually fear. And that's very, very insightful because we're realizing that individuals have a lot of anxiety about the potential job displacement that AI Um, has been producing lately, and they feel a need to be able to stay ahead of the curve and not lose their job. So for me, as an educator, that's really important because I want students to know that they don't have to make such decisions based on fear, right? If anything, AI, artificial intelligence, tools like ChatGPT, they're here to say that this is the future, this is the reality, But there's a great benefit in staying attuned to how our career development and professional development can actually be enhanced by such tools. It's not the enemy. It's actually meant to help us. So I think this is a great opportunity for educators everywhere, especially for institutions to, instead of resisting the change that has been brought upon us because of AI, embracing it and finding ways to, going back to what we talked about, mentoring students on how do you properly use these tools to help you and how do we use it responsibly most importantly do you have the opportunity then to actually speak to some of the students directly about this no unfortunately we do not it's all anonymous so we are not able to 
get a little bit more of a qualitative data, right, on their experiences and get to meet them. But in my own profession as a student affairs practitioner, mm-hmm. I work at a public institution. I've already been a part of these conversations with my own students. And it, they're quite engaging. You know, the opinions that students have about AI, at the beginning, a lot of them were very excited. They were saying, oh, I'm so happy that this exists because it's going to help me with my homework, with my assignments, with my writing. But then quickly they realized that the faculty on campus were not so excited about it. So there was a lot of tension between um, all across higher ed between faculty and our students and trying to understand what does this mean for, for our future in higher ed. So I've actually been able to discuss with some students on their opinions and students are concerned that our technology is advancing quite rapidly, um, especially for students in STEM fields. They're concerned whether or not they should be um, pursuing a major in STEM, right, if that's still the right decision. Mm. But then we also have other students who are excited, and they're very, they, they very much have an appetite for growth, and they're excited to learn and use AI in their businesses, use AI in their medical field, right? So we're seeing a lot more enthusiasm from faculty in actually teaching students how to properly use AI tools and really understand that this is a positive as much as it comes with risks. Overall, it's a great benefit. And it sounds like that's the thing to, for any of us really to understand is that it is a tool it is something that we work with that can enhance what we're doing, not that it is going to be, that is the other way around, that it has control over us. Mm, yes, exactly. And there's more to come, right? This is not the last time we're going to see a tool like this. Um, we've already had tools like this before, but this one has grown in popularity for many different reasons. But yes, exactly, Kate. This is a tool that's meant to... Um, well, provide us with more opportunities, right, to explore. I think the key here is to stay curious, to not resist it, embrace it, and understand that this can actually enhance the professional and career development of our students, especially for um, students that are underrepresented, right? This could be a way for them to understand, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to stay ahead of the curve, increase my competitiveness for the job market, and feel prepared for postgraduate planning and understand how they can thrive and really benefit from job security afterwards because that's the biggest concern right now that we're hearing from students. You know, what am I going to do after college? How can I prepare myself? And this is one of the ways that you can start doing it by embracing the technology that already exists and becoming more competent and skilled. And you as a mentor, as someone in a leadership position, you're already modeling that, right? And Mm. using some of this in your own life. Absolutely. I took it upon myself to learn how to use ChatGPT, to understand it, to how to optimize it, obviously always in a very responsible way because we have been facing issues as a higher ed institution. Well, not my institution per se, but in higher education, we've been facing a lot of issues on academic integrity. Mm-hmm. We've had cases of students plagiarizing work and not using the tool responsibly. They simply rely on ChatGPT instead of 
using other reliable resources as well. But yes, I took it upon myself to understand. And in my professional development trainings for students, I now teach them how to use ChatGPT and to stay resourceful and find out other AI tools that can actually help them optimize their time. A lot of our students often share with me that they experience writer's block. So we tell them, don't worry, let's go to the writing center. Let's have you receive help. Let's have you uh, understand different strategies that you can employ to be able to get ahead of them. And recently, because of ChatGPT, we've actually been encouraging our students to use the tool to help them overcome the writer's block. And that saves them a lot of time. It doesn't do the work for them. They still have to input entries into the tool, right, the platform, to be able to get the result that they want. But they're understanding that this could be complementary to their education and that it's definitely okay to use it. So I'm excited to keep on using it and to keep on learning. I'm actually excited to enroll in a few courses myself as an educator. That way I can be more prepared in supporting my students. And thus, once again, you're just demonstrating your leadership, your mentorship, the the fact of what you're doing, taking those trainings yourself so that you have the inside information and therefore can guide and mentor along those students from a, a very knowing place, I feel. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think back to my childhood when we had floppy disks and I didn't have a phone for a long time. I remember when I had my first phone, I was so excited. And I think back to all the technology that had changed from now relying on Google Maps, right? Something as simple as that, that we often take for granted. But being able to use that as opposed to before growing up, I would have to pull out the map (laughs) and spread it out across the car and understand where am I driving to? Where am I traveling to? So it's amazing for me to be able to see how much technology has changed. And I'm excited to see how much further it can be advanced. But yes, always with the intentionality of how can this benefit our students? Will it benefit? And if so, how can we help them, you know, learn how to use it to their advantage? And I can only imagine the kind of comfort that they must feel when you have your experience and you can share that with them and guide them along. That just must feel like just so much good medicine, so to speak. (laughs) Thank you. I hope so. My goal is to always celebrate students, find ways to reduce barriers, connect them to opportunities, and if they don't exist, to create those opportunities myself. My main goal is to help students thrive and have positive and meaningful experiences in college so they look back and are grateful for that time in their life and hopefully continue to do the same for the next generation. In terms of the survey, is this something that still is ongoing or has that completed and now we're just looking at results? Yeah, it's already been completed. We're just looking at the notes now, at the data, and we're really trying to dive a little bit deeper on artificial intelligence, especially as it relates to employment, as it relates to education. And for now, we're just assessing the data. And every day we learn something new about the perception that our society has when it comes to technology, especially artificial intelligence. So I'm excited to continue learning more about what intelligence produces in the coming months as it relates to technology. But yes, 
this is definitely going to be an ongoing process for for us to continue learning. And for anyone who wants to find out more, they can go to the website, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. They can go to the website. We post all the survey findings. We post the methodology, the results, the data, just so that there's transparency and students can understand um, you know, uh, why we're conducting the surveys and what we're trying to learn from it. And it is simply intelligent.com. Yep, quite simple, intelligent.com. Terrific. Great. So really important, as we've discussed in a very brief period of time, very important uh, information for students, for all of us, really, uh, as the as the future unfolds. And part of this future unfolding is a, a recent change, very recent change from the Supreme Court, uh, ending affirmative action for college admissions. Now, I I don't know that you were necessarily part of that, Blanca, because mm. I, my feeling with what you uh, experienced going through school with the mentorship, you you applied for college and were able to get to the college that you wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I My path to college was not an easy one, and it was often quite tumultuous because I felt very lonely being underrepresented and being first generation. I had no idea who to go for support and if college was really an opportunity for me, especially because of my own immigration background, my own immigration status. At the time, there were no state policies that allowed me to be able to benefit from financial aid or even have access to a work permit to be able to be employed in this country. So for me, that's really the inception of my educational career, that it started with my own background. And through the power of the mentorship that I received from um, the high school outreach programs that visited my school, they were able to instill in me the confidence to say, we have no idea what's going to happen with the policies. We There's no way of knowing if by the time you reach college, there will be access for you to these opportunities, but you have it within you. And it is your responsibility to take care of yourself in this way by educating yourself and doing the best that you can. And it was really through them, through their belief in me that shaped me and it motivated me to continue my education. And by the time I did apply for college, the policies were still pretty exclusive. I I had to make a lot of hard decisions about where I wanted to go to college, but ultimately, yes, I was admitted into one of the top universities in the state. And, you know, to be able to have that experience, I, I mean, I'm thankful every day for the support that I received. And I'm happy to go a little bit more into detail about that. And does that, yes, if you would, because does it actually... Uh, intertwine with affirmative action? Do you, mm. Was it? So in my case, in California um, is one of the nine states of the country that has actually not been using affirmative action for some time. So in my situation, what helped me in the admissions process was that my institution used a very holistic approach. And my, my race, my ethnicity, my immigration background was 
very important for me to highlight in my application because my multifaceted identities shaped my experiences. They shaped the access that I had to opportunities, and it also shaped what I was excluded from. So for me, it was really important in the application process to be able to tell the, the reader, I am an immigrant, I am Latina, I am a first generation. And because of those identities, it's informed my upbringing. And it's also shaped the, the career decisions that I want to have. And it's also shaped the access to opportunities that I have. So for me, it was really important to demonstrate that there was a connection between all my identities and that it was important to recognize that in, in my future as a college student for my sense of belonging, for my well-being, and my career development. And that is so much wisdom, that, and it's, that makes such complete sense. And that was, you were guided through that by your mentors. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, yes. correct. Yes. And it, so, so mentors, again, we go back to that, how critically <laughs> important mentors are. You know, there's, and I think for those who are of an older generation, it just allows us to continue to grow and to really feel purposeful or have a have good purpose in our life by being mentors and being involved in this way. So I think it's just such a huge win, 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 uh, you know, so many times rippling out. So I I wonder that, then what is your feeling having had your experience and with the positive results as to then this recent decision about ending affirmative action for college mm-hmm. admissions? Mm-hmm. It's definitely concerning because it poses serious implications for these higher education institutions that were relying on affirmative action to be able to increase their diversity. Mm-hmm. Right? That's one of the great benefits of affirmative action, that universities were using it to diversify the student body and really create equal opportunities for those underrepresented groups that have faced historical and systemic disadvantages. So for colleges that are now going to be relying on other approaches, it's going to be even more important for them to use a holistic lens in being able to evaluate their candidates. And, you know, I'm a bit distraught by the decision, um, although not completely surprised, to be quite frank with you, Mm. especially given the current political climate. Um, The decision is actually quite... So um, confusing, I have to say. Um, I've been hearing a lot of educators talk about how there's mixed signals. Um, it was decided that universities cannot solely admit candidates on the basis of race. But the decision also mentioned that um, applicants can write about their experiences with race and racism. So it's still quite unclear where the Supreme Court stands on this in terms of how um, institutions are going to be allowed Mm. to be able to modify their admissions processes. So I think we're still in a bit of a transition period where we're trying to understand what this means, but there's no denying that this will have an impact on the diversity, especially of elite colleges, where they greatly benefit from having affirmative action. Right. 
Yes, I can see it is really quite intricate, and mm. it it I think it it needs all of us who really understand the need for diversity that uh, we, we keep being vocal and and pushing for it. Some persons like yourself, Blanca, who have had uh, and you did not have that. Uh, what will we say, more direct entry, but you but you have that college education now. And to, you know, if they're not going to rely on something like the affirmative action to, you know, as we were talking about mentorship, you know, find the way that we're going to be able to continue having these higher education institutions reflecting what the population of the country is. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. exactly. It's yeah. going to be the more critical now that we as mentors, as educators, as institutions, create opportunities that are going to reduce barriers for these students, right? Because that's always been the goal with affirmative action is how can we create equal opportunity, reduce barriers for students, especially for, for students of color. You know, we're speaking about black and Latino students, especially at these elite uh, schools such as Harvard College and um, other universities like the University of North Carolina. So this definitely poses a lot of implications. It's going to require also conversations with the students ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to being mentors, it's creating spaces, safe spaces for us to engage in critical dialogue with the students that are going to be the most impacted. At the high school level, it's going to be necessary in order to still continue creating a strong pathway into college. Mm-hmm. And at the college level, really educating our students and having conversations with them about how they feel. What does this mean for them? What does this mean for their siblings, for the younger generations, and what we can do about it? But yes, definitely um, not the best news. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, not the best news for higher ed. But I, an optim- I'm an optimist, and I definitely believe in the power of educators, of incredible staff and faculty and administrators that are still firm believers in affirmative action and the power of diversity and how we can continue working collectively together. And really the goal is to continue increasing diversity and inclusivity as well. Yes, definitely the two. And maybe, you know, just kind of random thinking about it is that there are the staff at the university around affirmative action that those, if they don't have that role any longer, they maybe reinvent it and collaborate with each other from the various institutions to find the way in a different way, you know, rename themselves to how this is going to work for the future. Mm, yes, definitely. This this changes DEI work, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Mm-hmm. Um, we, like you said, we have staff positions that are dedicated solely for those purposes, for those efforts. So what I see happening is universities having conversations with each other, right? I see mm-hmm. these staff, these leaders, policymakers, decision makers coming together and discussing how we can work as a collective, as a community to be able to positively impact our students, but that's also varying across the state. I have the privilege of working in a state that's quite progressive, like California, Mm -hmm. and, you know, where these conversations are a little bit easier to have, 
effective in the political context. But my concern is for those states that are not necessarily progressive and are standing by their decision of overturning affirmative action and what this means for the incoming classes of students that will not benefit from that. Perhaps the students will have to make tough decisions about where they go to college. But this also means that we will need to help students create stronger personal essays. Mentors will have to educate themselves on how to support students in the writing process. The college essay writing that they have to submit for applications, this is where students can really take the opportunity to craft a narrative about their experiences and still talk about race, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the things that the Supreme Court decided that students, applicants are allowed to write about their experiences of race and how it's shaped their education. But again, as I mentioned, it remains still a little bit unclear on how those decisions will be made at the top when it comes to admissions. Yes, it certainly does seem a bit murky that way. And yet I'm with you, Blanca, being the optimist to believe that this is going to cause the students to be stronger and become better candidates and find ways that they're going to get entry because they have that passion and the desire and that needs to be recognized and included in the whole educational experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a great benefit in having diversity on campus, a great, great benefit. Students are able to learn about other people's experiences. It shapes their own perspective. It allows you to have a deeper understanding for our society, for different cultural customs and traditions, and to really be critical thinkers as well, to understand the notions of power and privilege when it comes to race. So there's always a great benefit in promoting diversity, and I'm sure that colleges are going to continue finding ways to promote that and be very creative in that. But nonetheless, it will be a challenge. So it definitely is upon us to not lose momentum with this decision. That is very important. Oh, Blanca, I just really so appreciate who you are and your experiences and insights because you're really like in the middle of all of this going on. And I feel that you have just such a great voice and important insights to share with us. So I so greatly appreciate the work that you're doing and that you have taken this time with us today. Thank you so much, Kay. As I said before, I appreciate you. And, you know, for having this platform, for allowing us to speak about our stories and the impact that people have had in our lives and the potential impact that we want to have on other communities. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. And um, hopefully we'll have more conversations. Yes, definitely. I'm excited. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Blanca Villa-Gomez and Sunday Morning Magazine with Joy Farrow and Laura Frombach. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab and then either of the show names and then look for the guest names. 
I now wish you and your family a day of doing what needs to be done to have a safe and supportive home and family. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.